0: You and honor our moms. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's message is called Conversations with Mom. And so uh, I told my mom we were doing this. I called her today and, and uh, I actually sent her a card and I sent her, you know, her gift and all this stuff. And I said, Mom, we're we're doing this message called Conversations with Mom. So we made we made a cardboard cutout of my mom and uh, and i wish she were this tall then that would help me out you know we would have had the genetic thing going on so she's not really that tall but um and i said mom i've got this cardboard cutout i'm going to be using today since you know i'm going to be talking and all that stuff she goes well you all always think up weird things to do in church and i said thanks mom appreciate that that's one of the ways you help me feel good about myself um Alex said my kids would probably fight over this. And then he got the thing and he said, no, it kind of freaks me out. She's too big, you know. They, they're not going to want that in their room. Uh, so, but, but she told me, you know, afterwards, by the way, we're having pictures, moms. If you want, we'll give you a free picture. Um, you can take that with your children, with your family. And uh, I'm going to have my picture with my mom and send it to her. She wanted to be sure and, and get that. Uh, so I said, yes, ma'am, I will do that for your, for your Mother's Day. Moms, um, you have a unique job in society and, and probably the most important job in society. And everyone recognizes that it is a not an easy job to be a mom. By the time a child reaches 18, have got a little statistic here for you. A mother has had to handle some extra 18,000 hours of child-generated work just in that, in that lifespan, 18 years. Women who never have children enjoy the equivalent of an extra three months a year in leisure time. Because you remember what you used to do before children? You don't, well, some of us don't because it was years ago. We don't know what we did before kids. Friday nights when Caleb first was born, that was our entertainment. We were poor and so we just chased them around the house and filmed it, you know, and then we'd watch them, you know. That's what we did and... A junior high teacher was a science teacher lectured on the properties of magnets one day in class. And so then the next day he wanted to give his students a quiz. And the first question on the quiz read like this. My name begins with an M, has six letters, and I pick things up. Half the kids in the class wrote down mother. (laughs) Because that's what they do, right? I mean, that's part of the job. Um, There was a father who was trying to explain the whole idea of a wedding to his four-year-old daughter. And so he pulls out the wedding album and he goes through thinking the visual images would help his four-year-old understand this wedding deal. So he goes through and he's explaining the whole ceremony to her. When he gets through, he says, do you have any questions, honey? And she says, Daddy, points to the wedding picture and says, is that when Mommy came to work for us? Um... Now, I don't say that because it's bad. I just say that because, moms, you have so much work to do. Now, maybe it was bad in that family. Maybe dad needs to be smacked around a little bit. But that's a message for another day. Today we're honoring moms. There are some incredible pictures of of moms in motherhood, uh, motherhood in the Scripture. And uh, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said this. He said, men are what their mothers make them. And then there's an old Spanish proverb that says, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. I agree with that. Because a lot of times parents think that you can just plug your kids into a church. I was in youth ministry for 19 years and parents would think in one hour a week I could fix their messed up kid. Doesn't work that way. If you got them 168 hours a week, I got them one hour a week, I don't care how good you are. You're not going to have as much influence as that mom does. Well, in the scripture there's all kinds of neat pictures of mom. There's the picture of Moses' mother who risked her own life to protect her child to, to, so that she could tell him about the faith of the people, the faith of the, the, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people. We see the sacrificial love of the mom who appeared before King Solomon. And, you know, the, the mom's disputing over the baby. And one said, this is my baby. One said, this is my baby. And the, mo- the mother who was the real mom of the baby said, no, I would rather let this other mom have that child than to have anything harm, any harm come to him. That's how Solomon knew that she was the one. She said, I'll give him up before I'll see anything come, any harm come to my child. We see the, uh, the mother of James and John. She wanted her sons to sit on the right hand and on the left hand of Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. She just wanted something special for her sons. That's pretty cool. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. But, but still, she has high aspirations for her children. And then there's King Lemuel. And that's actually another name for Solomon. Remember the advice that his mom gave him in Proverbs 31 about how to find a good wife? Moms are incredible. They know their kids. And, and I've never found a mom yet who doesn't recognize the weaknesses of their child. They just choose to focus in on the strengths instead of the weaknesses. You don't have to tell a mom where their kid's weak. They know. But they're going to focus on the strengths and try to build their child up rather than try to tear them down. Now, I know that Mother's Day sometimes is a difficult day for for moms as well because some ladies want desperately to be a mom and they can't yet for whatever reason. My sister-in-law went through three different um, uh, miscarriages in the first ten years of their marriage before she could have a child. Uh, it was a big deal. And I know there's folks in our, in our family, our church family, that have had struggles. And, and so Mother's Day is a difficult day. And, and I, I don't know why you have not had a child yet, but just know that God is very aware of that. And know that even in the pages of Scripture, there are, mo- there are ladies who cried out to God for years before they had a child. And then God blessed them beyond their wildest imagination. So hold on to that hope. Don't give up. Um, there, some of you had mothers that, that might not have been the best in the world, so there's some baggage that you're carrying along. Um, some had great mothers. Some had mothers who died. And, and every year on Mother's Day, it's just a difficult time for them because they don't have their moms anymore. Some of you are flying solo. Uh, you're trying to raise a child without the influence of, of a father in the home? And let me just tell you, a dedicated mom can have an incredible spiritual impact on that child. There are success stories throughout uh, the Christian kingdom of, of moms who depended on God and the church to help them raise, raise a son. So just know that, that that's a big deal. Mothers can make an impact. Now, there was a writer who once said, I ask you, who was greater, Thomas Edison or his mother? When he was a young lad, his teacher sent him home with a note which said, Your child is dumb. We can't do anything for him. Mrs. Edison wrote back and said, You do not understand my boy. I will teach him myself. And she did with incredible results. We want to give you one picture of one mom's response to her child from Scripture. Now, the reason I had us do this is because when I think about the things my mom taught me, this was the first conversation she shared with her life was do whatever God tells you to do. That's the first thing on your outline. The message came through loud and clear. I remember as a child, every week, my dad would go into the kitchen table, he'd pull out the checkbook, and he would write a check to the church that we were going to. I was a curious young child, and I'm like, why do we have to pay to go to church, Dad? That's a lot of money. And Dad started talking to me about giving back to God. And, and so I remember that. It made an impression on my life. And, and I, you know, if you were to ask them, why, why did you do it? They would tell you very clearly because that's what God tells us to do. That's what the Bible tells us to do. They did whatever God told them to do. And in Malachi 3.10, it says, I am the Lord all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% into the storehouse so there will be food in my house. Then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. It's the only place in the Bible that God says, test me. I dare you, give it a try and see if I won't bless you. My parents have been blessed beyond mag- imagination through the good times and the bad times. I remember, you see, Dad worked for um, Phillips Petroleum and we, were, we would often go on strike. And I didn't know at the time that strike was a bad thing. You know, I knew Dad got to be around. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but I didn't know we didn't get paid. I didn't know we were poor. And I saw mom and dad, through the good times and through the bad times, they would give to God. Because that's what God said to do. Um, Mom, let us know that, that God was at the top in giving of money, but also in the giving of her time. This morning I called her and I thought she'd already gone to church. For however many years my parents have been going to church, mom has either played the piano or the organ. She gives through her time. She's gone to countless hours of rehearsals on Wednesday nights that no ordinary church member ever sees. Mom's been giving because she wanted us to know that God was top priority, and you do whatever God tells you to do. So you give not just your money, but you give your life. And look at the next verse, Matthew 6, 21. Isn't it obvious, or it's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Mom always ended up at church because that's where her treasure was. Her God was there, and she was going to do whatever He told her to do, and that's what she taught us, her children, to do. The second thing Mom taught me in her conversations Um, Just with her life was don't settle for second best now, especially you, you younger folks. I was 26 years old before I got married and I dated a lot of girls, but I could always tell immediately when mom met someone whether she liked them or not. She didn't have to say a word. You know, mom was one of those. You can read her face. She didn't have to say anything. And I always knew I always knew. That if if mom disapproved of her, that I I couldn't go out with her because I dated with the idea that you were going to marry whoever you were dating. You know, that was the purpose of dating, the way I was raised. And so if mom didn't approve of them, I wasn't about to marry somebody that mama didn't like because, you know, you've heard the saying, if daddy ain't happy, nobody cares. If mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. And so I knew that in my family. I did not want that around because you marry the family. Some of you could say amen, but you better not because you might get slapped. Um... You marry the whole family when you marry into someone else, uh, when you marry someone. So you, you need to pay attention on, on the front side of that deal. And, you know, I would, I, a lot of times I would continue to date the girl because I didn't want mom to know that I really wanted her approval. And I would date just to spite her and all that stuff. But I knew in my mind it was time to break up. Um, yeah, I was a great kid. My, my, my kids talk about that. Dad, you were bad. And I said, yes, I am. That's why I'm going to whip you so that you won't be like your daddy. That is my motivation, is because I've been there and I've done those dumb things. Mom knew the truth of this verse, Proverbs 31.10. A good woman is hard to find and worth far more than diamonds. And I think Mom was thinking, why waste your time with this one, dude? Now, that's my translation of what she said, you know, my interpretation. But let me tell you something. I'm glad I let Mom influence me on this one. Because I think of some of the girls I dated, oh, dear Jesus, praise be to God. That, that I listen to my mama, because my mom loves my wife, actually she loves my wife more than me, which is kind of cool, um, because they get along good. We we get to go on a cruise with them this week for their 60th wedding anniversary, and uh, we're leaving on Thursday, and we are going to have a blast. We're looking forward to it. We've been on, I think every major vacation that Jadie and I have been on has been with my parents, and and I am glad, because if she didn't like my wife, we wouldn't be going on vacation with her, I'll tell you that. Um. Sometimes the kind of thing you can do as a parent is level with your children. Now, I know sometimes you need somebody else to level with them too because they kind of tune you out at times. But sometimes you've got to tell them the truth. Tell them where they're blowing it and where they're uh, making a mistake. Proverbs 27.6 says, Friends mean well even when they hurt you. But when an enemy puts his arm around you, around your shoulder, watch out. Psalm 141.5 Good people may rebuke me in kindness. Have you ever seen that bumper sticker, Real friends don't let friends drive drunk? You don't know why? Because you can die when you drive drunk. Real friends try to look out for each other. And sometimes a friend has to say, you're blowing it, I'm not going to let you do this, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. A real friend does not say, it's none of my business. Because if I am a good friend to you and you're, you're doing something that's destructive, I will come to you as a friend and say, you're messing up. And I can't stand to see you mess up your life. Let me help you. Um, when you go to a doctor... Do you want them to tell you exactly what's wrong, or do you want them to say, ah, everything's okay, go home, get some sleep? It might get better on its own. (laughs) No, if there's something seriously wrong, you want the doctor to tell you up front what's wrong. Sometimes the doctor has to cut you in order to get you well. And sometimes your parents have to cut you too, don't they? In order to get you well. And and one of the things that my mama knew, I don't know, somebody had to teach her, and, and Janie and I have learned this, Your children don't need you to be friends when they're children. They don't need a friend, they need a parent. There's plenty of time to be a friend whenever you're no longer paying the bills. Then you can get on an equal footing. As long as I'm paying the bills, it is unequal. I have no problem telling my children that. And I thought when I went to college, you know, that was getting out of my own... Oh, my soul. Mom and Dad were still paying, you know, the the tuition. I had to pay for books and rent and car and all that stuff. Until you pay for all of it, you're not on your own, and you're not on equal footing with your parents. So just get over that. Then you can be friends. Once you once you get to that point. Um, so, so the nicest thing you can do sometimes is is tell the truth. The third thing I learned from my mom, conversation with mom, is laugh. Learn to laugh when times are tough. We went through tough times financially. I shared that um, dad worked for Phillips Petroleum for 37 years. He was a dedicated employee. And he was a dedicated union man. And there were some tough times. He had to go off one time, work for six months for another company. The, the strike actually went on about eight months. Well, you can't live. Most people can't live for eight months with no paycheck. So dad had to leave. And it was me and mom at home. My, my three siblings were already gone. They had graduated and, and they were married and, and in other places. And I was talking to my dad one day and I said, Dad, how did you make it through the tough times? Because, see, my mom and dad came through the, the Great Depression. <laughs> You, you make it through that; you can make it through anything. We haven't had to do that. We have we we have no idea what that's like. Um, and so I said, "Dad, how did you make it?" And he said, "Well, he said really it was Norma, Norma. If you could picture Carol Burnett, I mean." That's Norma, redhead, funniest lady that I've ever met in my life. They were close friends. They went to church together for years. They still keep up with one another. They had four children. Mom and Dad had four children. We hung out together all the time. Well, Dad said whenever whenever the finances would get tight and we'd, they would worry about where they were going to pay the bills, he'd come in and he'd say, why don't you go see Norma? And Norma could make you laugh. I don't care what the situation was because she might do anything at any time. And mom would come home, dad would say, and she would just have a better spirit about her. And, and one of the things, Janie was praying the other night. We were praying together uh, at, at bedtime. And she was talking about my mom. She said, I can't wait to go on this vacation with Bess because she is so much fun. She's going to laugh at me. She's going to laugh at me making fun of my dad because that's just one of the things we do. We have a good time. She's going to laugh at herself. There will be so much laughter on this this trip that will come back filled up. Have you ever been to a friend's house that makes you laugh, that you enjoy being with? You go home with this sense of well-being inside your soul, whether whether the outside circumstances are, are perfect or not. But you go to somebody's house that's a doom and gloom type person, you go home thinking, I need a pill or something. Give me a happy pill to get over what I just went through. Mom learned that. She passed it on to us and I'm trying to pass that on to my kids. And one of the things mom and I used to do was we used to read laughter, the best medicine in Reader's Digest. And um, that was one of the first things we turned to drama in real life and laughter and best medicine is the the best medicine. And uh, I thought they made up that that title. Laughter is the best medicine. But it actually comes from the scripture. It comes from Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. A broken spirit. In some of the counseling classes I had to take when I was in seminary, I learned that if somebody can laugh in a situation, even if it's just a small laugh, if you can get a smile on somebody's face, there is some measure of hope in their soul. But if a person can't laugh no matter how funny the situation, then it's a serious deal, and they may have to have medical attention, professional attention at that point, because depression has set in. And the, the one situation where I saw this most vividly was a 16-year-old boy in my youth group when I was in Arlington, had leukemia and nobody knew he had it until he's laying in the emergency room um, two states away. They were on a family vacation. We get the phone call on a Sunday night after church and they say, David's probably going to die. And I just remember being shocked. We'd just been at youth camp a week before. He played volleyball and softball, running around, having a good time. David's going to die? No way. We had this, this um, prayer time a hundred teenagers crammed around the altar at our church crying out to God and then I get a page from, from one of our other ministers and I go and I call him and he said David's dead and I walk back into that, that hallway because the kids knew what I was doing they, they ran out and they were packed in the hallway and, and they said what's up what's up and I said David's dead and literally kids fell down in the hallway weeping and wailing and gnashing their teeth oh God no and I stood there going, I have no idea what to say. Some kids, you know, teenagers, they ran out, hopped in their car and sped off. And I'm going, oh, God, protect this one. He has no idea how he's driving. He's blinded by, by just the, the emotions. Well, we, we said that tomorrow morning we'll get together at 9 a.m. here at the church. And so all these teenagers were going to be there the next morning. And I had no idea what to say. So I called Minrith Meyer Christian Counseling Clinic. And I said, I got, I got 80 to 100 teenagers in this room and I don't know what to say because one of their best friends just died and he we didn't even know he's sick. And he said, well, well, get him to talk about his life. And I thought, okay, thanks for nothing. You know, and I hung up the phone. So I walk in there and it's just weeping. No talking, just weeping. And they're all looking at me, all these eyes. And so we broke up into groups of 8 to 10 and we put an adult in each group. And I just so happened to be with his closest friends. And you know, we're talking and they're ticked off at God by this point. Why would God take David? It's not fair. And I said, Man, just tell me, tell me one of your favorite things about David. And this one guy stands up in the middle of our little group and he starts telling a story about David that's funny. And you know, everybody's crying, and we go, And you know, it's kind of irreverent to be laughing at this point. And he kept going in the story, and it was funny. And before long, this eight to ten, I was with the closest guys. We're busting up laughing. And all the other groups start looking at us like, how dare you? Well, then I said, y'all got to hear this. And we start telling stories because David was a wild child. I mean, this great kid, but he was a wild child. Did some dumb stuff. Stole his mom and dad's car, went on a joy. Oh, man, we were laughing. And in my heart, I remembered this proverb. Laughter, cheerful heart is good medicine. And I have, to get, I have to tell you this too, I was with the same guys we were in the, in the pallbearer's car when we went to the funeral. We were cracking up telling David stories, going to the cemetery. We had to compose ourselves before we got out of the, the deal to carry the casket, because David was a funny dude. If you can laugh at the tough times in life, you can make it through anything. And God has given us that gift. And I, I suggest that you hang out with some folks that can help you to laugh. My mom gave that to me as a gift, and, and I want my kids to have that gift. Janie and I were talking this week, and we were just talking about conversations with mom, things that you learn from your mom, and uh, Janie came up with this one. It's, it's the next one on your, uh, on your outline. I want you to see what, what Janie has to say about this. I, I let her do this in her own words.
1: I learned from my mom is sometimes you just need a hamburger. When I was in high school and I had a full-time job and I was working all week, uh, my mom was working all week too and it was just the two of us and we would be so tired at the end of the day on Friday and we would get home and we would sit out on our front step and we were talking about our day and talking about how hungry we were and how we didn't want to cook dinner and all that. And The mom would say, you know what, we just need a hamburger. So we would go to our favorite hamburger place in town. Even though we didn't have any money, we would just scrape it all together, pennies and dimes and nickels, and go have a hamburger. And then another time I remember, um, a summertime event again. Mom and I were both working again, and um, my daddy had passed away, and we were out mowing the yard, doing stuff that a man should do. We were hot and tired and sitting on the front porch again, and we were just thinking about our day and how hot and tired and yucky we were, and mom would say, you know, there's lobster fest going on in Waco, and I'd say, I know, but we don't have any money. She said, I know. So we'd sit there and think some more, and then I'd say, but don't you have a credit card? And she said, yeah, I do, and I'd say, don't you have a gas card? She goes, yeah, and a MasterCard, and she said, yeah, let's go. And so we'd get in the car and head to Waco and go to lobster fest. So cheeseburgers and hamburgers and lobster fest, that's the way
0: to go. Well, the point that, that I wanted to make with this is moms know when you need a break or when you're just slacking, right? Because you can try to fool your mom, but, but she knows when your soul is weary, and sometimes you need a hamburger. You may not have enough money. Find, go go to the couch. Start digging around there. Go to the, the floorboard of your car. Start digging around. You can find enough money to go get a hamburger at McDonald's. And if you can't, we wanted to help you out, Mom. So, Mom's, we want you to stand real quick. Mom, stand up. Stand up, or at least wave your hand if you can't stand up feeding the baby. So we want to we want to help you out with this. Um, girls, give give all of the moms um, a couple of. Uh, these are coupons from McDonald's for those times when you don't have enough money to go get a hamburger. And by the way, in case you don't like the hamburgers, one of them has a picture of a hamburger. It's a dollar coupon, you know. There's other suggestions there. There's salad. There's this healthy stuff, all that junk. Um, why, go to, why go to McDonald's if you're going to eat something healthy is what I'm saying, you know. I don't like McDonald's anyway except for the breakfast. But we just wanted to help you out. Sometimes you need a break, right? And... uh Guys, we need to learn to listen to them. Because there's times Janie will call me up, now my my office is at home, but when I had an office at a different location, every time she'd call me up, she'd say, let's have a picnic at the mall. Now, the reason we did that is because it'd be in the dead of summer, 102 degrees outside. We're not about to go to the park and have a picnic. We would go and we'd take our sandwiches to the mall. There's nothing else going on in the Palestine mall. Why not go and have a picnic there? (laughs) So we'd have the whole end of the thing to ourselves, and we'd take. Sometimes we'd take little remote control cars, and we'd race them. And all the time we played hide and go seek. But one thing I learned a long time ago is when Mama says we need a hamburger or we need a picnic, we need to listen. And see, the deal is, guys. God has given her a built-in marriage manual and family manual. That's the way He designed her in her mother's womb. And so often we'll. Here's the way I had it. I heard it, and I like this illustration. Women are like butterflies. They're beautiful. They're frail. They flip from one thing to the other. A lot of times they rise up above, and they, it's almost as if they're just checking out the scenery. But what happens when a storm comes, when a strong wind comes? She can be damaged when the storms of life come, if, if you're not careful. Men, we're like buffaloes. We eat, we drink some water, we sleep, and we go to the bathroom. I mean, that's pretty much our job description from the time we come out the womb. We might make a lot of noise. And you think about it, what does a buffalo do? A buffalo eats grass here. When he's done, he raises his head, finds another clump of grass, goes over there, eats that grass. That's what we, you know, trouble our days with. That's what we do. But when a storm comes, does it bother the buffalo? No. He can withstand tremendous storms in life and keep right on eating. Because men are able to to focus on one thing. Women, multitask. Many times, men, we we just do one thing. Praise God, my wife can multitask. Because she knows where all the kids are at one time. She knows where we're supposed to be. And she just tells me, give me my schedule, let me know, and I'll go run those errands. God made us different on purpose to complement one another. And we need to honor that in our wives instead of saying, oh, no. Bad idea. Don't say it's a bad idea for her to do what God has designed her to do. And that's to monitor the the spiritual, physical, and emotional health of your family. And if she says something's going on with a child, guys, we better pay attention. And many times, I'll be watching sports, reading the paper, and Janie will come over and she'll go, I think you hurt Caleb's feelings. What? When? (laughs) And then I think back and, and I'll go in and sure enough, you know, I've, I've bruised his tender heart. And I just need to spend some time with my son. And before long, we're laughing, having a good time, and we'll go do something. But, guys, we got to listen. Um, so the the whole point of this is, is sometimes you need a hamburger or a day at the park or a picnic or go fishing, take Caleb fishing, something like that. Moms know these kinds of things. Now, let's review real quickly. If I were to summarize the most important things that my nine-foot mother has taught me... Number one is do whatever He tells you to do. Talking about God. Do whatever. If if she didn't teach me anything else, this is the most important thing my mom taught me with her lifestyles. Do whatever He tells you to do. She taught me not to settle for second best, and, and I had to wait a long time. All my friends were married <laughs> before I got married. They all started dropping like flies in college, you know. I was in so many... I was like, you know, what is that movie where... Four weddings and a funeral where they're always the bridesmaid, you're always the groomsman, but never the, the stars, the attraction. That was me, man. I was going... But I waited and I'm glad that I did. Mom was right. Mom taught me that laughing during tough times is not only okay, it's necessary. She taught me not to hang around doom and gloom people. Get around the people that make you laugh. You need those people in your life. And finally, she taught me that just sometimes you need a break. There's no proverb that says you'll break the bow that is always kept bent. Think about a bow and arrow. The old style bows and arrows, they had elasticity to them, the bows did, and if you kept the string too tight, eventually what would happen is it would snap and lose all of its elasticity and it becomes useless. Well, sometimes what they would do is they'd bend that bow down, they'd take the string off and allow it just to sit there and rest. When's the last time you took a rest? When's the last time you weren't stressed to the max, running 500 miles an hour down the road of your life. Sometimes you need a rest, and sometimes we just got to take um, a tension release. When's the last time you released some tension? Well, that's too long. Was that chili commercial? When's the last time you had wolf brand chili? Well, that's too long. I don't care if it's yesterday. Take a break today, honor your mom, and have a good time. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for moms. Thank you for making our world brighter and certainly more attractive by creating mothers. You knew what you were doing. And we just want to honor them today, not just with our words, God, but with our actions. We want to thank them for contributing to our lives. Help us to practice what our mamas preached. If we just follow some of their instruction, God, our lives would go a lot smoother. I pray that you draw all moms and those who wish to be moms close to your side today. Give them supernatural wisdom and discernment and power for the unending and many times thankless job that they have. We're grateful, God. We praise you for our moms. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies families, if you want your free picture, we're going to go downstairs. Alex is going to be down there with the camera. We have um, a chair and we'll get that set up. I know you want to go out to eat. Good idea. It'll take just a few minutes to take pictures if you want one, and then we'll get those to you later. Um, We're glad that you were here today. You're dismissed.